So, we have been looking at persecution in the church around the world, different places, some a little bit historical, all within this century. Persecution. And if you recall, a couple of times ago, um, two classes ago, we did some people called the Worm Brands. You remember Richard Wormbrand? He was he went to jail. He went to jail for for 14 years of his life. He spent in jail. With yes, he was. So it was in the communist USSR. So it was not that long ago, but it was a little while ago. That was uh, mid 1900s. Okay, when he was struggling with that. So and then last uh, last week. John talked about um, should be China and North Korea, the church in China and North Korea, okay, which is today in great struggle. Okay, so it's it is North Korea is not legal to be a Christian. Okay, and there are great uh, persecutions and things. People go to jail and people get things taken uh, to three generations. They get punished. So if you say you're a Christian, three generations down from you also get punished. And that is to stop people from admitting they're Christians. Okay, they want to crush it. So you'll notice this, and this, this is around the world. We're going to take a few little spots and help you understand what the world is like in many other places. Just a little glimpse into what's happening. So today we're going to pick uh, a different place. Let's first turn to Daniel chapter 6. Because this is important. When we think about this. The book of Daniel chapter 6. We've got a little group of verses we want to read. Chapter 6, it talks about Daniel when he is praying. And you've probably all heard this story. I don't need to read the whole story, but I need you to see and understand what was happening from a little different perspective. John, or Daniel's chapter number 6, verse number 10 through 22. So if you're at Daniel 6, we're going to go start with verse 10. We're going to look at, he was just caught praying, and they were going to persecute him. They have written a law, and the law was against praying to anybody for the next 30 days. Uh, and if anybody prayed, they're going to throw him in the, in the lion's den. So, verse number 10, please. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks for God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. I shall not send a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but make it. <coughs> 
petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till he till the going down till the going down of the sun to to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were in instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Okay, so there's a story of Daniel and the lion's head, and the king, which we didn't read his name, but if you go back in the chapter, anybody know the king's name? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Nope. Darius. King Darius. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the first king that, that Daniel was under, under a different kingdom. Originally, when oh, this is terrible, but it's fine. You get the idea here, right? Nebuchadnezzar. He's got a neck. Here he is. <laughs> so here he is. Nebuchadnezzar was the golden head in the original dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. That was the kingdom of Babylon. Okay, Babylon. The next was a silver chest and arms, and that was the kingdom of, do you know? Yeah. Medes and Persians. This is called the Medo-Persia Empire, okay? The, th the third was bronze, and that was Greece. And the fourth was iron and then clay into his toes. And that was Rome, okay? And in God's estimation, which is the right estimation of the world and how it works, these were the four best kingdoms that mankind ever made, okay? Not that they all did right, but they were the most impressive, I guess, or the, mo the biggest and the most impressive. Um, not that God was impressed with them, but these are the best four kingdoms, top four that, that mankind ever made. Daniel lived in two of them, okay? And he was in the middle as it was switched over because Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's, great-grandson or whatever it was was a terrible leader and turned away and and the Medes and the Persians took it over okay took over the kingdom took out of Babylon and they were they were the great emperors at that point so that's important 
because we are going to talk about Persia today. Okay? Persia had 120 provinces and it went a long way. Okay? There's one more story. We need to get to the book of Esther. Esther. To put together a little bit more, go down in time a little bit more. Esther chapter number 7. Verse number 3 through 6, please. Now remember, this is King Ahasuerus. Yeah, Ahasuerus, he's the king, also known as King Xerxes, okay? Um, he was the king of Persia. So in the book of Esther, you read about his party. That's the very first thing he did was have a party. It was a party that lasted six months, okay? That's a mighty party, okay? Six months, he was bringing people in from 127 provinces that went all the way basically from Egypt all the way over to India. Okay, that's a big section of the world. It was the world, known world at the time. Essentially, they had power, just like the Romans did, took over the world at the time, that the Persians had the same thing. They took over the world. 127 provinces. And then we know that his wife, Queen Vashti, did not please him. He banished her. And then we get Esther wins a beauty contest in the midst of Persia. Okay, so there is a rich history with this country with God's people in it. At the end, Haman is going to kill all the Jewish people, which Esther is, of course, Jewish. And she goes to the king and pleads for her people. Verse number three of chapter seven of Esther. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me and my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to per perish. But if we had been uh, sold for bondmen and bondwoman, I, I held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king, Asuras, answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume, presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. The, then Haman said, was afraid before the king and the queen. Okay, so Queen Esther is given the opportunity, stands up, before the king, there's a whole series in her story, which she has quite a story. This is the queen of Persia, okay? God's work from Daniel, generations later, with, uh, with King Xerxes, King Hazirus, and Queen Esther in this place called Persia. Now, 
Fast forward a bit, and Persia's empire is quite amazing for a long time. Okay, it stands up for a very long time, and in fact, it stands up and and continues to be a kingdom for hundreds and hundreds of years until. And then there's kings that get passed down over and over, okay? Until they finally, in the 600s, are taken over by a Muslim population. The Islamic armies come in, okay? And they get taken over in the 600s. But they still pass almost a thousand more years as a nation before that starts to get more and more, uh, more and more of an Islamic country, okay? It's been taken over by the Islamic people as an army, and they come and they defeat the Persians, but come in and just sort of live more and more and more amongst those people, okay? And they become a bigger and bigger influence. It's, like I said, another thousand years and they are there, and they say, well, now we start to become, we're the, the bigger influence in this country, okay? The Islam, the Islamic people, that goes all the way until 1979. That's how long those dynasties lasted. People of these empires lasted, family after family member after family member, start to rule. In 1979, Persia, which is no longer known as Persia, but is known as the country of Iran, okay? You've heard of Iran before, right? You've probably never heard of Persia today, right? Because Persia, they lost the name of Persia, and they went into the country of Iran, all right? So, modern-day Iran, now some of the borders changed, like, if you notice the first time, under Daniel, it was 120 provinces. Under King Xerxes, there was 127 provinces because they kept conquering, okay? The borders changed over time, but essentially what's settled out into modern-day Iran is what is left of the country, or the, the empire, I'll call it, of Persia, still today, okay? But they, in 1979, had a civil war, essentially, or a revolution. It was, was kind of both, okay? And this turned over, it was the last one of the dynasties of those original Medes and Persian emperors with uh, the influence of the Islamic people coming in, but they eventually got to the point, got to that very last one, and there was enough Islamic people that they had that revolution and turned it over and it turned its government to an Islamic government. 1979, so that's a long, long time for them to hold on without turning, okay? But in 79, they had a revolution and they turned to the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, a republic is supposed to represent the people, right? 
It's not exactly a democracy, but it's supposed to represent the people. And within those representations of people, they have a president, and they have a Congress, and they have a court. And all of those people are run by someone called the caliphate, the top leader. So all of that whole branches of government, kind of like we have, right? We have them, and it's supposed to be separation of powers. They have them with a leader over top that says, I don't like you, I don't want you, you don't represent me, I pick a new judge, I pick that. So what does that make it? Well, it's like a kingdom again, right? It doesn't make it any sort of way of a democracy or even really a representative republic, not in the way that you might think of one. So why do we care, okay? Well, first of all, because God cared way, way back, right? This has been, in God's estimation, an amazing empire. And we watch and we watch over time as the control of the Islam's, uh, Islamic people got more and more and more in Iran. In 1979, under Islamic Republic of Iran, it became illegal to be a Christian. Okay, so over the past 45 years, it has been illegal to be a Christian. There were groups of Christians at that time. Many of them were jailed or expelled from the country. Some were beaten, a few were killed, okay? It has been for 45 years now, so a couple generations of people have been born. I was born in 78, okay? so. Not that old of people, I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old, right? Saw this revolution, saw this change. And if you were to look online, you would see what people were like before and after. They actually did, this was, I thought, a very interesting thing. Um, some pictures of what happened before and after. This was the same girl before and after the revolution. Before the revolution, what she was allowed to wear, kind of modern looking, you know, modern looking for 1979, okay? Whatever she wanted to wear, she could wear. After the Islamic State took over, that's what she has to wear. You are born in this country, you are called a Muslim. You have no choice. You go to school, you learn Islamic prayers, you learn the Arabic language, you learn all these things from little, little tiny kid. You have no choice. You are Islamic. And if the government of this, of Iran, says 99% of people in Iran are Islamic, but there is a belief of a secret, and there are secret underground churches there. By underground, I don't mean literally in a cave, although they could, but what I mean is they are in hiding. And there is a belief that almost 50% of the people are not really Islamic. You have to go. You have to do these things. You go into a hotel room, and inside the hotel room is a Koran, okay? which is what the book that the Islamic people say is their book from the prophet Muhammad. They believe in Jesus, but they do not believe he's a savior. 
They just believe he was a good teacher. Okay? And even a prophet of God. But they do not believe he died for your sins. They do not believe he was the Messiah. Okay? So, they are told, must pray five times a day facing Mecca, which is where Muhammad was born. So if you go inside there, you'll find the Quran. You will find an arrow on the ceiling that points towards Mecca. So if you are in, when they call out across Iran, they'll have essentially alarms or horns, basically, that come across. You pray now, five times a day. This is when it happens, no matter where you are. So if you're in your hotel room, you make sure you face the right way and you get down on your knees and you pray. Right? So how do people, when they are growing up in that, become a Christian? If all you know is Muslim prayers, for the last 45 years, all you know is Muslim prayers, all you learned is the uh, language, Arabic language, okay? And you are forced to do it. Why do people become Christians? Well... There are people out there and connections out there where they learn about God. And I, I looked at the story of a few of them, and most of them are in hiding. Most of them are all darkened out, right? Because if they are found, they can be persecuted in that country. So they'll be darkened out. People have gone in to learn about what's really happening in this underground church. Some people have just learned that Jesus is the actual Messiah. They've learned that, and they hear that from someone else, some bold, brave person that says Jesus is actually the Messiah, like the real Messiah. And they said, well, that doesn't... Wait a minute. If that's the truth, some person got a hold of uh, their first few words of the New Testament, and they read about Jesus being the Savior. Now, Bibles are outlawed cannot have a Bible. But they get passed in places. They find their way in. And now with the internet, things have changed tremendously. But don't think that the government hasn't gotten control of that too. Because with the internet, people were going online and getting things like you and I can get. Anything we want. You can find copies of the Bible. It'll read it to you. So what did the government of Iran do? Shut off the internet. No more. Can't get through any of the servers. So there are servers that the government hosts, just like ours. Right? So what people did was found ways around it. Satellite phones, servers that are hosted outside of the country, because they're hungry for learning about God. Okay? You'll find in these churches... And they are secret churches. There's no church buildings. They're not allowed. They meet in small groups inside houses. It might be like a group like this. They cannot sing loudly. They're not allowed to worship in public. They're not allowed to pray in public except for Muslim prayers. Okay? Because that is the rule and the law. And yet God is at work like he always was. Right? God is at work when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and Daniel stood up for God and God says I'm, I'm more powerful than the lions right I'm more powerful than the government when 
Esther came in there. God saved the Jews through Esther, through a beauty contest. Strange way to do it, but God can do anything. God can work through anything that you think, well, that's not very spiritual. God chooses the way he wants to do things. Right? He chooses how to work. He's not limited by anything. So when you think about this country of Iran, or the Islamic Republic of Iran, think about people having to hide. Now they have not only have to hide, they, they might meet in church, but if they have a cell phone, they'll have to either leave that behind or pull out SIM cards, leave them in places. They have to hide because if they f are found, They'll be persecuted. Now, not everybody's jailed that's found out there, but what they'll do, one guy said when they accused him of preaching, he was a person that was going to college uh, for computer science. And he had, it was in the midst of it, and when they found out, they said, you're done. And this is your last semester here. You no longer can get education. So they cut and cut your education. Business owners, they, there was a man who ran a bakery and he came in one day and there was orders from the government because they found that he or, or accused him of believing in Jesus uh, as a savior, being a Christian. Okay, So they posted on his door, the business is shut today. Uh, here's the number you can call. So he went to the place been all day and by the end of the day they said oh it must have been a mistake so he went back to his business the next morning there was a brand new posting on it business is closed today they're going to control you okay it's persecution now there are places in the world where there was deep deep evil and we talked about people have been beat and imprisoned and the, there are people that get imprisoned for these things Okay? But there are ways that people persecute, all sorts of ways. They take away your livelihood. They want you to break. They want you to change. They want you to say, never mind, it's not worth it. But these people will not give up their belief. They keep fighting. And what happens under that fight? Well, what we find is when you do all these things and when they battle against you, what you often find, even after 45 years, more and more people become Christians. Because what's really happening? Well, let's go to Acts and look at something. The book of Acts, chapter 11. This is after Christ has died and the, the church in Jerusalem and in other places has actually been started to build up. Stephen was a young man who was killed for his belief. And once the church started to grow, they started to be persecuted. Verse number 19 through 24 of, of Acts chapter 11. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Venice, Venice and Cyprus, and 
Antioch. Antioch, preaching the word, but none unto the Jews only. Which? Chapter 11, verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus mm -hmm. and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, Grecians. preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came, and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Okay, so this is a place, Antioch, and some of the other places, Cyprus and Cyrene and Phenice, uh, which is like Phoenicia, okay? So those places all start to get persecuted. When these Christians show up, they get persecution. They go out, they meet with these people, and they say, keep going. And the church grows. What happens to God's church is one of the very few things uh, that work this way in the world. What happens to the church of Christ when there is persecution, it grows. Even if it's underground, inside homes and meeting and in uh, quiet little places, they are hungry to learn about God. And so it grows. So if you go to the country of Iran today, you won't find a single Christian thing hardly written anywhere. But you will find, if you could see written on their heads, you would find Christians mixed all in places and secretly meeting in places. And most of the time, they meet a few in a house here and a few in a house there. One guy found out after he had left, because he was being persecuted, was found out. He, he left the country and fled the country. He found out there were over 500 of these small churches in his little town. They were everywhere, just secret. Here, there, everywhere. Three or four here, five or six there. Not very many people in each one, but it has been growing and growing and growing. And there are thousands of them preaching and talking, and they're trying to get the Word. They can't even get Bibles. So there are people that are work to smuggle Bibles in, or ways that they're working to go around and get that information. Here's what's happening on our part. Since 2020, we have been careful, and before that even, for, for some years now, but since 2020, we've been careful to make sure we get all of our stuff online. During 2020 and some years after that, for a little while after that, we had a group of seven people listening from China to us. Me, Shelby. Who the world ever heard of us, right? It's not about that. They're hungering for the word. And all at one point, they were gone. Those people didn't listen anymore. Was it found out? I don't know. But God is using even this little place 
through technology we have, through those people who are faithful to put it online, those people out there, who knows who's listening? Who knows who's watching those things? Who's looking for those things? They're not allowed to worship, but they may be hiding away in some place, longing for that little bit that they can get. So what we do is important. And you say, well, I'll never go to Iran. Maybe you never will. But what happens here is all part of God's larger plan. God's always been in the kingdom of Persia, in Iran. He will continue to be until the day he comes. What do we do about it? There's your question. What do we do about it? All right. How much are we going to pay attention to that? And I'm going to do one last verse just because this is an great verse. Um, I'll turn there. It's John 16, 33, but it is an important verse to remember for those who are persecuted around the world. These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, Jesus is greater than any government. Jesus is greater than anything all around. He says, I've overcome the world. He says, I want you, wherever you live, to live in peace and to find joy in your life, wherever you live. And there are many oppressive places, and we've learned a couple of them so far. People live, they don't have the freedoms that we have in this country. And we get complacent with it. Well, I don't really care. I want to go do something else instead of this. There are people that are hungering to get a drip of what you get all the time. right? So people are out there. It matters to them. And it says, I have overcome the world. Don't worry about it. Do not fear. You will have tribulation. It may come to our country someday. Someday in your lifetimes, it may not be what it is now. We may have things where it, we will be persecuted. We may not always be able to meet in this place. We may have to go underground as a church someday. We would be like many, many other countries if we did. Now, I hope we fight for the rights to do that. I hope we continue and become a great nation, uh, turning those things that we get here out to the world, particularly the gospel, talking about God, right? It's important. Understand there are those who are around that don't have it. And so what we have, God will call us to account. What did you do with what you had? I may not go on a trip to Iran, but I sure can make sure that those things are online so that if people do get the opportunity, they can listen. We have people listening from many countries around the world. People look, even at this Sunday school class, they get them and they, they listen to them. Okay? They listen to what's online. So there are many people who do that, and we want to follow what God wants to do. We have opportunity. We need to use it. Okay? Thank you very much.